Last week we began um, the message by defining uh, a missionary. And this was a, a definition that the, uh, that the missions team here at Partnership derived, but, uh, but it didn't, they didn't derive it just from thin air. They derived it from Scripture. And I, I'd failed to have that up on a slide last week, but I want to make sure that I get that up there today so that you are aware and uh, recognize what I'm speaking of whenever I speak of missionaries, uh, because I want to make sure that, that, um, that we're all on the same page, that we're all unified here. Missionaries are believers who are set apart and sent out with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the purple, of, pur- purple for the purpose of making disciples. You do not have to be purple, but you do have to have a purpose. Believers who are set apart and sent out with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the purpose of making disciples. And last week we spoke about the first part of that um, first part of that definition about what it meant to be set apart. If you remember, we talked about not just being uh, set apart in the in the micro or the the one off tasks here and there, but we started out talking about how we're set apart. Each one of us that believe in Jesus Christ, that follow Jesus Christ as our Lord, we're set apart merely just by the gospel itself. We're a set-apart people, just as Israel was a set-apart people for the, um, for the purpose of God in the Old Testament to bring about the recognition and, the, and the, the reigning in of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So we too, the church, we're set apart for, for a particular purpose. We're, we're holy we're set apart in a way that we are, are, set, are, are, are set for a specific purpose, for a specific reason to do for, to worship, and to glorify God. And not only are we set apart in the macro, again, we talked about then how we are then called in specific tasks within that set-apartness. There's another one of those fancy words. You can write that one down. It's going to be read underlined, I guarantee you. The set-apartness is going to be one of those things where you're praying in the midst of your journey with Christ. You say, God, what should I do in this particular situation? Or who should I, who should I talk to about the gospel message? Or, who, or where should I go? And those individual little tasks, God also sets us apart for. And, and your set-apartness will be different than mine in that case. Because we all have different realms of influence. We have different sets of people that we are around. We have different occupations and different neighbors and different family that need to hear the gospel and need to know who Jesus Christ is. But once, we're, but once we've been set apart, then what? So God sets us apart, and then he has to do something with us. And Scripture says that, that what Jesus does is he not only just has us set, us, set apart, but he, he also sends us. Jesus sends us. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to his disciples, this was just after he was resurrected, and he comes back to see his disciples. And you would think that if, it, if, if Jesus had the, the mind and the heart of a, a regular fleshly human being, I can imagine that Jesus would have stepped in front of his disciples and he'd say, Hey guys, remember me? I'm the guy you left hanging on the cross. I'm the guy that you went off and ran and you, you know, everybody scattered and you went off and did your own thing. But look, I got news for you. I'm back. And you would have thought that he would have, if he'd had a fleshly heart come in and just wanted to, to scare 
scare the bejesus out of these guys. But what he did was he come and he stood before his disciples and he said, Men, I want you to know that I come in peace. I'm not holding anything against you for the times that you ran away and Peter for the time that you denied me and the fact that none of you were there whenever I was crucified except for John. In fact, I come to you in peace. I come to you in peace and I want you to know that just as God the Father sent me, I am also going to send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus became the first sending agency. If you're aware of the missionary title of being a sending agency, that was Jesus' point here. He says, I come to you in peace, not holding anything against you. I come to you with the peace of God, and I want you to know that the same God that sent me is sending you to do the same thing that I did but do it on a broader spectrum. I mean, Jesus even said throughout his ministry, he says that you were, he's talking to his disciples, you are going to even do greater things than I. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about doing more miraculous things. He was talking about on a grander scale. Jesus came, he was sent by God the Father, and therefore, with that same sentness, he also sent as well his disciples. Now, there are a few thoughts to think about when we consider being sent. And some of this might seem elementary, but I think that it, it does help us to recognize um, just the, the beauty and the depth of that word being sent and what Jesus was truly saying. You see, because the one that's being sent, in this case the disciples, and then furthermore you and I as we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have to recognize that Those who are sent, they yield to this authority and the direction of the one who sends. They yield to the direction and authority of the sender. On occasion, I am sent to the grocery store by my wife. Now, am I allowed to go into the grocery store and get whatever I want? I am not. I can add to the list if I want, but I best come back with at least the things that the person who sent me asked me to get. There's a, <laughs> there's a sense of needing to yield to the authority and the direction of the sender. In the case of a missionary, Jesus then is that sender. He is the one that is sending out into the world. He is that authority and he is that direction. Therefore, we can't just go and do whatever we want to who and wherever we want to do it. One of the things that I scratch my head about regularly is people that will just decide that they're going to you know, up and move to a, a, a foreign location or up and move to, a, um, to another city or up and move to another job or another house or whatever. And then in the midst of their movement without hearing anything really from the Lord, they just say, well, I'm just going to pray that God blesses me in the midst of this and uses me wherever I go. Now, can God use you wherever you go? Absolutely. But I believe too that A God who sins is also going to tell you where to go if we ask, if we listen to him. I remember people all the time whenever we were sent to New Zealand, we regularly had people that would come up to us and say, 
well, I could think of a worse place to have to go and be a missionary. I was like, could you? Because it wasn't all a bed of roses. I mean, what you see in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and that's all beautiful, beautiful and all. And I used to tell folks, you know, it's green, how green and lush it is. You see it in those, in those movies. It's green and beautiful and just so full of vegetation and just looks like this paradise. And the reason that it's green and lush like that is because for every other month that you're not there, it's raining. The greenness doesn't come without a lot of rain. People come in January and February and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful, it's paradise. I was like, yeah, it's paradise in January and February. March through December, it's like Seattle. We can't expect that we just go where we want to go. And his disciples, Jesus, they didn't expect that they could just go and would go whatever, wherever they wanted to go. He would send them by his authority and his direction to specific places. And we read about in Acts how he did that through his Holy Spirit. Constantly they were praying, they were fasting, they were seeking the Lord's direction. And constantly he was sending them to the places that he would have them go. Paul being the same. Being sent also brings connotations of commendation and endorsement. Being sent brings the commendation and endorsement of the sender. We read in, Luke, read in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus sends his disciples into Jerusalem to, uh, to bring back a donkey for him to ride into Jerusalem uh, during what we call Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. Read what Jesus says. He says, go into the village ahead of you and as you enter it you'll find a colt tied there, one in which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. Now he's telling his disciples to go and steal a donkey. That's what, he's, that's what he's telling them. But then he says, but wait a second. When the owner of that donkey comes and asks you, what are you doing? Then he says there in verse 31, why, why, if anyone asks you why you are untying it, say this, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. There was, there was a endorsement by the Lord. There was a... a a commendation by that authority. And as by that authority, those that owned the donkey freely gave it up. You know, for us as well, when, when we recognize that we are, are sent to a particular place or to a particular people or to a particular uh, town or even our, our neighbor or our family member. In some cases, if it's a larger organization, the church itself will send and they kind of put their stamp of approval and their stamp of commendation on that missionary. But yet, say that you're just an individual and you're going to your neighbor. Then who is your, who is your stamp of commendation? It's Jesus Christ. Because in the end, that's the one that's sending on the whole anyway. Even through the church, even through missions agencies, through sending agencies, Jesus is the one who's sending. We'd often say that when people would say, well, why did you come to New Zealand? We'll say, well, Jesus told us to come here. We followed him here. It was a lot easier than trying to explain what a mission agency was and what supporting churches was and how you got your support and your finances and, you know, who was overseeing you and whatnot. But it was much easier for just to say, you know what, Jesus told us to come. 
We're here under his authority. And it made it really simple, actually, to, to, to start making disciples under that authority. Because the last thing that people wanted to, to know, or, or the first thing that people wanted to know when they would come into a new church, they was like, what kind of church is this? Like, well, I'll tell you what kind of church this is. This is a church that follows Jesus Christ and we study from the Bible. And I could say that really confidently. They're like, yeah, but I mean, is it Baptist, Methodist, you know, is it independent Christian? Is it, you know, what is it? I was like, no, it's, we're, we're, we follow Jesus and we read from the Bible. That really is it. They're like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's like, but it's the truth. We came with the endorsement of Jesus Christ. And that endorsement had authority. That endorsement had authority and that authority was seen by the number of people that were giving their heart and their life to not the church, but to Jesus. And the last thing I believe that it's best understood being sent is that it's more of a commission rather than instruction to move from one physical place to another. Being sent is better understood as being commissioned or dispatched rather than being instructed to move from one physical location to another. I mean, think about it. If you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, when you were saved, did you move? You might have moved here, but did you, did you have to go from one place to another? Now, you went on this, this magnificent journey in your spirit from death to life, but you didn't physically go anywhere. And I believe, too, that that same can be seen even with, with Jesus Christ himself, the incarnate Jesus Christ. I mean, we like to talk about how close God is to us. God is everywhere. God is around us. God is always with us. Well, if he's always with us, then that means he can't be far away, Right? So to me, that means that when Jesus was incarnate, he didn't come from a long distance. He just came from God's space to, to, to man's space. That wasn't a very long journey. In our minds, sometimes the idea or the thought of being sent brings this connotation of having to be called on a long journey to another town or another place. So we often read verses in like Acts 1.8 where it says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And our thought immediately goes to, wow, I've got to travel to the ends of the earth in order to be missional. Somehow we read right over Jerusalem, which is where they were. Their hometown. And we know it even today that virtually we can go places without even leaving where we are. I mean, you guys have, have um, heard of the virtual reality, the metaverse. You can go places and never leave your couch. Some people running into walls and stuff like that when they're playing. It's actually really funny. But... This just goes to prove you can, you can be sent and you can go somewhere without even leaving, without even moving. 
There's some people now, this thing in the metaverse, well, they have these meta churches. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, where, where people will actually go and worship virtually. They'll put on these masks and then they'll, they're a part of a, of a worship gathering or a church virtually. And they've made themselves up their own little avatar, their own little, char- their own little cartoon character. And they can be whatever they want. So you might be able to actually go to church with a cow, a unicorn, and an alien. And you could actually do that today. And never leave your couch. When we think about that, we, we think about these things that are going on in our world today. But then we don't... We don't process that whenever it comes to the sentness of Jesus. Could he send us right where we are? Could he send us to stay? He did to the demon-possessed man in Mark 5. If you remember the story, Jesus travels across the Sea of Galilee and this man comes out of the tombs. And he's full of demons, a legion of demons. And Jesus casts out these demons. And when these demons are cast out of the man, the man comes up to Jesus. And the the one thing that he wants to do is go with Jesus. Take me with you. I will go with you wherever you go. And Jesus says that as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Instead, why don't you go home? Go to your own people. Report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Folks, we don't have to go long distances to be sent. We can be sent to stay right where we are. We can be sent to minister to and to take the mission of God to the people that we are already in contact with. That's why I love stories and people like I introduced last week with George and Damaris. George and Damaris Verudi, they are in, uh, in Romania in and in a family that we support here from Partnership. Their family, they are Romanian. They've always been Romanian. They've never left Romania. And they have been sent to stay in Romania and do the ministry of Jesus Christ to to share his gospel and to make his disciples right there where they are. In fact, um, Damaris will send out a newsletter on occasion and um, she will kind of give an update of the things that they're doing throughout their ministry. And I love the last part of this, the latest newsletter she wrote. And after she went through this long list of things that they'd been doing in their ministry and in their mission, she writes this. These are just a few examples of the very busy life that we have, and that we, but we are always victorious in him. We know he wants to do wonderful things in Cryova and Segarcha, the two towns that they minister in. And we need more and more to let Holy Spirit use us. And I think for each one of us that we can embrace our sentness by Jesus right where God has placed us. Not always, but we can certainly always start there. You have a workplace, you're sent there because you are there. You have a school, you've been sent there because you are there. You have a family. You've been sent there because you are there. 
And God who has set you apart and has set me apart for the sake of his gospel. He'll start by sending you right where you are. And maybe he will send you to another location or maybe not. But we've got to quit thinking that only on those broad, short-sighted terms. The same Jesus that sets us apart sends us. Just as God sent him, he sends us. Some are sent to go. Some are sent to stay. And which one is it for you? Tonight, or today, or as we're taking the time to meditate on this word and on Jesus' voice in your own life. And we do that through communion. We can recognize and centralize all that we do on Christ and his lordship. I want us to reflect on those words that Jesus said, just as God sent me. And let's stop there. And as we're taking communion, I want us to reflect on the sentness of Jesus. Sent to you and I and to every generation for the forgiveness of our sins, for the, for the destruction of evil, for the destruction of the grave, for the resurrection to bring uh, God's people back into communion with him. He was sent by God to do those things. And Jesus said, just as the same way that I am sent and that you remember me when you take this meal until I come again, I am sending you. And in a sense, it's as if we're saying when we, when we take the bread and we take the cup, in kind of an odd sense, we're injecting, uh, ingesting God, Jesus, in us. We're taking the sentness of Christ and we're making it a part of ourselves. His mission is your mission. His mission is my mission. And just as he was sent, so too are we. And it may come at some point that we have to, that we have to do the, the unthinkable. That we may have to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters just as Jesus did. On a physical sense. But regardless of that physical sense, Jesus has asked us to lay down our lives on a spiritual sense for our brothers and sisters. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, and I want to remind everyone who may be visiting with us this morning that this is Jesus' table. Um, the Lord's Supper is, was instituted by Him. Uh, the bread is... A representation of his body. The, the cup is a representation of his blood. Notice that none of those things were defined by partnership. Because it's not our table. It's his. And we come together as the body of Christ. Around his table. To accept his sacrifice. To remember his coming. His death is burial and resurrection until he comes again. And to also accept his commission. That we are sent by Christ just as God sent him. Let's pray.
Almighty God, as we take the bread and the cup this morning, Lord, I pray, I pray that first and foremost, Lord, we, out of the depths of our heart, we give you praise and glory. Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. For the saving work of the cross. Lord, for the mercy and the grace you've shown us through the resurrection. And just as Jason mentioned earlier, Father, that we can be resurrection celebrating people every day. Just as we celebrate the lordship of your son Jesus Christ in our life every day. And each time we come together by taking this meal. Furthermore, Lord, I pray that in our own hearts, you convince us of where you are sending us. Are you sending us out? Are you sending us to stay? Empower us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Made only possible and available by the resurrected Jesus Christ. To fulfill your mission. To accept our set-apartness and our sentness. Lord, to the people that you give us. To the people that you send us to. Be it near or far. In Christ I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's eat together.